Hey, buddy. Hey, you let me in. Nice. You ready to go? Sure. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the bonus edition of On the Volley with my good buddy, Matt Huber. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Good, good. Ready for the games this week. Yeah, there's going to be some good ones, that's for sure. Yeah, there's going to be a few great games and um, teams that that we had some doubts about are, are going to build their resumes a little bit, especially uh, Turlock. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think you look at Turlock and, and you can't help but be impressed with them just because... Okay, yeah, they lost their last game, but, I mean, they played really well this season. You look at Monterey, they're undefeated. They played really well. You look at Mesquite, they played really well. They're doing well. And, uh, Harrisburg. Harrisburg, Milwaukee bounced back after that. Lost to Florida. Florida's playing well. I mean, there's not many teams. That you can genuinely say they're not playing good soccer. Right. Besides Rochester, besides I don't I don't know if I would throw St. Louis in that group play yet, but they're they're on the bubble, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I and I think this week's game with, with Kansas City is gonna be kinda like a barometer as to what we're gonna see from St. Louis. Although, I mean Right now, like I don't know what St. Louis is. I mean, one quarter they're they're playing great against Milwaukee, and then the next they're giving up five or six goals. So, yeah. well, we'll, we'll see with St. Louis. And you bring up an interesting point because I look at St. Louis and I think, yeah, you could be a really good team, but the one thing that's going to hold you back is your inconsistency because look at all three games that they played this season, right? They played against uh, Milwaukee, right? They had the lead in that game and then they gave up, like you said, five, six, seven, or six goals. And then, you know, they go to Kansas City and they're they're losing five to one and a half. But then they come out and play reasonably better in the second half. Then they they host Milwaukee, and again they have the lead in the first half, and they give up a bunch of goals in the second half. So, I mean, part of me says, okay, look at the guys that they played. Right, they played Milwaukee and they played. Kansas City. Kansas City's not exactly a slouch team, right? So, right. So, uh, am I surprised they lost to them? No. Do I? Did I think they would have a little bit more success than they did against Kansas City? Absolutely. I I did not expect it to be as lopsided as it was. I mean, yes, the second half was more competitive, but by then it was, okay, a little too late at this point. Yeah, if, if you told me that a team like St. Louis won 10, let's say 10 out of the 12 quarters, or no, 
let's see, hang on, eight, eight out of the 12 quarters against yeah. their three opponents and they're 0 and 3. I would be, I mean, I would be shocked, but that's, I mean, that's what St. Louis is right now. Right. They out, they outplayed Kansas City in that second half. They outplayed oh, Milwaukee 75% of that, but yet they're 0 and 3. Like, well, and that's why I told you, I said, for me, if I'm a St. Louis fan, I'm concerned. Because 75% just doesn't get it done. You have to be able to finish games in this league. And if you don't finish games, you're, you're not going to be a team that is going to be able to challenge for a run in the cup. Right. So, yeah, so yeah, St. Louis may have played Milwaukee 75% of the game, and they might have outplayed them, but fact of the matter is, they didn't finish the game, just like against Kansas City. Now, do I think it'll be different against Kansas City this time? No, I I don't. I think Kansas City is going to win this game. I think, you know, Leo Gibson is getting to that point where he's got these guys together, and that's just... I, I don't think... St. Louis has what it takes to beat them, and if I'm if I'm Everton, I'm a little concerned at this point because, like you said, they're doing two out of the three things right, but it's that third piece that seems to elude them right now. Yep. But well, I mean, we'll see. Like like you said, I mean, there's some great games. You got the Ontario Fury starting back up. You've got Baltimore and Utica. Part three, yeah. so. And that Baltimore-Utica game is going to be fascinating because, you know, I I truly think Utica's the better team. I'm not, I'm not going to say that I think they're going to win the game because I don't, but I do think that overall Utica is a better team than Baltimore. I think... You know, they might struggle against Baltimore in this game. But, like we said in our last episode, the fact of the matter is, even though we both picked Baltimore to lose, realistically, it's not too far-fetched to say that Utica could win this game. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, these, these two teams have played each other close for the last... Two years. Yep. All all the games have been within two goals. So yeah. well, except the nine to one victory Utica had against Baltimore last year in Baltimore. But besides right. that game, um it's they've they've all been close games and I, I kinda see another close game this week. No, I do too. I, I don't think here's the thing. Out of all the games that are playing this weekend, there are very few that I can say that it's going to be a blowout. I mean, I, I agree. I think Dallas. I think Dallas Monterey. Um, I think Dallas Monterey would probably be the only one. Maybe Harrisburg, Rochester, maybe San Diego, Sonora. But, yeah, I mean everything else. I think will be tightly contested. Maybe 
one, two, three goal different different games. Are you concerned at all for the Ontario Fury? You know, they're playing a soccer team that already has two games under their belt. And don't get me wrong, it's not as though San Diego has looked overly impressive, but they do have those two games over Ontario right now. So, if if you're an Ontario Fury supporter, are you a little nervous at the fact that we're playing a team that already has two games under their belts and we have literally zero games under our belt? I, I don't think, as an Ontario fan, I mean, and I, I kind of mentioned this in in my uh, in the box episode just now. Um, I mean, I think the first game is going to be a little difficult for them against San Diego, and yeah. and we we saw how a, a team with a lot of firepower <laughs> we saw it in San Diego this year. Their first game, they didn't come out really really strong, and they lost to Turlock. So I I think that. You're, you're going to see that with Ontario as well. I think you're going to see a few bumps in the road uh, for that first game. But the second game against Tacoma, I can kind of see them bouncing back, just like San Diego did. Well, but here's the thing. Even, even with San Diego, you know, they played two games. They played Turlock, which they lost. Then they went into... Tacoma and they won that game but if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you as much as I love the San Diego Soccer, I I really am not impressed with them so far this season I mean yes they came back got the win in Tacoma but it's not like it was that convincing I mean yeah okay they won by three goals but at the end of the day honestly the score doesn't dictate how close the game really was. Right. And I, I said from the very beginning that, you know, with Tacoma, I'm not impressed with them, but they, they play, they seem to always play San Diego really well. I don't know what it is, but every time they play each other, it seems as though it's reasonably close. Yeah, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna credit it to, to Danny Waltman. I, I think Danny Waltman being like one of the most experienced goalkeepers in the league, he's kind of like got the whole goalie thing down to a science. So Yeah. And and he's the reason why they went into San Diego last year and they won. Like Yes. He he stands on his head night in, night out. And and I think that's if if Ontario was to lose against Tacoma, I think it would be because you're gonna see a huge game from Danny Waltman. I I completely agree with that. Danny Waltman is a big reason, if not the biggest reason, that Tacoma is in the hunt for most games. I mean he makes saves that you, you just watch them and you're like, how did he do that? And 
you know, he's been doing that for years. He did it in um, Kansas City. Yep. He did it. He's doing it in Tacoma. So, um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that if Tacoma has any chance of making a run this season, which we've already decided that we don't think they're going to, but if they do, it's going to be largely because of Danny. Well, um, you you don't think they are. I still have them as, their, as the fourth seed. Yeah, I, you're right. I don't. <laughs> I think I, I would take Mesquite over I would take Mesquite over Tacoma. Right. Yeah, and, um, and 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 that's it's a possibility. I mean, you you look at. I mean, now that we're an eighth of the way through the season, for the most part, we can kind of look at like what teams are going to be fighting for that fourth spot. Right. I think I think in the Western Conference, it's going to be Tacoma, Mesquite, and maybe Turlock, Turlock Cal. Maybe those three teams. With, with Turlock, it, it all really depends on, you know, how they keep going during the course of the season because, you know, yeah, they're playing well, but, you know, will they keep it up for the duration of the season? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, and, they're, they're, they're going to need to win the games that they're supposed to win. So, like, Dallas, or yeah. uh, maybe a, a game against Tacoma, maybe the, the games against Sonora, maybe throw in, like, another one or two wins against, like, Ontario, or or something like that. And I think if you see that, like, I, I think they'll be in the running, but I think they'll fall a few games short, unfortunately. Could you see, and I'm just throwing this out there, could you see Sonora taking that four spot? No. 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 I, I, I don't see it. I think it's going to boil down to inexperience. Right. Um, yeah, I don't see Sonora. I see Sonora being competitive, but at the same time, I don't see them. I, I see them as like a seven-win team. My biggest, my biggest complaint with Tacoma is that they have to rely so heavily on Nick Pereira, and people know that. You know, other teams know that the main offense for Tacoma is Nick Pereira. So I think the key for Tacoma is going to be who else is going to step up and score goals for us? Yeah, and I and I think you saw that in the game against Turlock Cal. You saw Mike Ramos score a couple. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alex Alex Caceres was the on the team of the week, and he I don't know if he had yeah. a couple goals. I know he had definitely had a goal. Um, so there there are playmakers on that team. Plus, you've got you've got the likes of I mean Adam West and Alex Megson. Um, well, and I I think also you have to look at it as yes you have other people that can step up and score goals, 
but they're going to need to do it on a regular basis, not just sporadically. Right. Absolutely. And that and that's the thing is if if Nick Pereira has an off night, which we all know doesn't really happen often, but if he does, those are your guys that are going to have to step up and score goals because yep. like I said, teams know the focal point for Tacoma. It's not like it's a big secret. People know that Nick is the centerpiece of Tacoma. And so you're right. People like Mason and West and Ramos, they're all going to have to do their part if Tacoma really is going to take that fourth spot. Yeah, and I think and I think you saw that in the game against Sherlock Cow. Like Nick Pereira really didn't have like a flashy game. Because I think that's what Turlock's game plan was, is to focus on dispossessing Nick Pereira. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they took away their their biggest goal scorer, and that's and that's when Mike Ramos right. and they all stepped up and that's what led them to that victory. And I think in the case of Turlock, I think what you're seeing this year as opposed to last year or years even before last year is the fact that there's a level of cohesiveness and a level of understanding of the game that's making making it easier for Turlock to win games. Because if you if you looked at this team even one or two years ago, it's not even the same team. Like it's they're doing things that we never would have seen Turlock from two, three years ago, dude. And I just think, you know, it's 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 going to be a special year for Turlock, I think. Are yeah. they are they a playoff team? No, I don't think so. But could they surprise us? Yeah, absolutely. So Yeah. You know. I, I mean I, I think with um uh, with Turlock, the, the big thing is they they would fall back in the fourth quarter. I think they took two steps forward in the first three quarters and then like three steps back in the fourth quarter and they just lost all sorts of steam. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't finish off games because I think their endurance was a big issue. But oh, you don't you. see that yeah. this season. I think you see Turlock being like really, really good the first three quarters and then that fourth quarter they just that you don't see the, the same amount of Importance, enthusiasm. No, I, so, I. But this year, but this year it's different. No, I mean, realistically, if that game goes the other way this past weekend, you're looking at a Turlock Kale team that is three and zero. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it, it's like it's, it's completely different from what we saw last season. Um. I have a question for you about a team in the Eastern Conference. Okay. Are you completely sold on the Florida Tropics yet? 
Um, yeah, I'm in. I, I mean, that that win was a statement win. Uh, oh, I, I said I said going into the game, if Florida goes in and beats Milwaukee at UW Panther Arena, I I think this team is 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 going to start gelling more and more and more. Do I yeah. see them going 24-0? No. But, no. I mean, I, I don't see them as... I, I'm not going to say they're not a four seed, in my opinion, because I do think, I do think in the East, I think those three teams, I think Milwaukee, Utica, and Baltimore are still better than Florida. Right. So I'm, I'm buying the fact they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't see them being more than a four seed right well, now. And the problem is either if they do make the playoffs, like you said, you're either going to have to go up against Milwaukee, Utica, or Baltimore. And that's not going to be an easy task. Right. I mean, I look at I look at the game in Milwaukee like this, right? I'm not I'm not taking anything away from Florida because they won the game. They deserve to win the game. However, you also have to look at that game and say, well, Milwaukee didn't exactly show up in the second half or even the first half, really. I mean, we kept the game closed. We gave us ourselves a chance. But at the end of the day, it's just they were not the Milwaukee team that we've seen in the past couple games. And... I give all credit to Milwaukee for bouncing back in St. Louis, but that was one of those games that you really wanted to see them win simply because it's a team that you're going to see a lot during the course of the season. And it's a team that you're arguably going to be probably have fighting for a playoff spot. So... That was a really important game for Florida. I I buy into Florida. I think they're as good as advertised. And I think, quite frankly, they could probably be better than advertised once the season starts getting into... Once this team gets into mid-season form, I think it's going to be scary. But that being said... Once Milwaukee gets into mid-season form, once Baltimore gets into mid-season form, they're going to be just as scary. And as far as Utica goes, they already look like they're in mid-season form. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would like to say Utica's in mid-season form, but, I mean, watching that game against Harrisburg... I. I, I'm kind of hesitant to say that, um, just just based on the fact they. I mean, yeah. Don't get me wrong; they won the game, and they they, um, kind of took took advantage of of Harrisburg having the the game before. I mean, they played the night before, so they forced Harrisburg to make mistakes, and that was their game plan, and they executed right. it to perfection. But I mean. Will they do that against the likes of Milwaukee, the likes of Baltimore? I mean, we'll see uh, Saturday 
if they can do it against Baltimore in Baltimore. Well, um, but I think they're close. I, I, I really think they're close. And plus, they're without Diego Zuniga still. So, I mean, there's there's another missing piece of the puzzle that still hasn't been revealed. Right. Plus, Utica's no. got another guy coming in. So, I, I mean, it's... I'm not going to say they're in mid-season form, but I think you could say, with a lot of confidence, they're one of the best teams in the league right now. Well, and here's the thing. If you look at even the Eastern Conference... There's so many storylines already, and we're only in week four, right? So, so if you think about this from Milwaukee, since I'm a Milwaukee fan, I, I will tell you that I think Milwaukee season is going to come down to really one person, and that person is going to be Rafa Diaz. If he plays well during the course of the season, I think that we have a legitimate chance to repeat as champions. If he plays the way that he's played the first, what, three games? I I really think if he plays that way during the course of the entire season... Going into the playoffs, Milwaukee's going to be right back where they were last season. Do I do I worry a little bit about Rafa? Yeah, I do, because we all know that playing back-to-back games is not easy. And if I'm going to be really honest with you, I was kind of shocked that Rafa played in St. Louis. I, I really thought you would see Matt Eason in the game. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And when I found out he was in goal, I was thinking, well, that's that's really weird. I mean, why do you go out and and get uh, Zabios and and you have Matt Eason on the bench? Like, why why use Rafa Diaz in back to back games, home and away? Well, well I, I I don't see that happening towards the end of the season, but it was just kind of weird to see at the beginning of the year. See, now I disagree with you. I I think it's going to happen more at the end of the season because depending on what Milwaukee's record is, they might have to fight for seeding in, in the playoffs. So, you know, here's the thing. I, I and, this is just a theory. I'm no expert, but this is just a theory. I think that the reason that the wave went out and got to follows is because they, if Rafa Diaz gets hurt, they want a backup plan. I, I think Milwaukee has every intention on starting Rafa every game. Is that a realistic expectation? No, I don't think so. But I think with the way that he's playing right now, the wave would be absolutely foolish to take him out of the net. Absolutely foolish. I mean, if you looked at what I posted the other day on that on our Facebook group, he he has. 
he lead, well, he's not the leader in categories, but he's in the top, I would say, three in a majority of the categories as far as goalkeepers go. So, in my opinion, if Milwaukee does decide to take him out, it, it's a foolish decision. Well, I mean, you, you could look at it that way, like... I, I just worry about, like, injuries. Like, I mean... Oh, absolutely. So, it, it's it's kind of tough for me to, to think Rafa Diaz is going to be in goal 24 games this season. Um, well, you know, here's the thing. And, you know, obviously it's early in, early in the season. So, so, obviously things could change as we get further into the season, but, you know, he did a back-to-back games on this past weekend, and look how well he did, so, but again, I mean, is that going to change as you play more games, and as you get more tired as the season progresses? I don't know. You know, I, I would say Yes, it would probably be different as the season goes on because, you know, your body faces wear and tear, especially as a goalkeeper. So, yeah, I I think, like you said, if you have Zabalos and you have Maddie Eastholes, you have to use them. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you you got them for a reason. So... Why not, like, even if it's, like, 18 games for Rafa Diaz and six for Isold and, and Zabios, like, I, I think that's, I think it's better in the long run for the Wave, especially, like, if you're going for a championship. Like, I, I think Rafa Diaz playing 18 games is better than Rafa Diaz playing 24 games. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know... The one thing that we saw as time went on is that when Rafa had to stop it, step in for Josh, he did remarkably well last season. However, if it was a back-to-back game scenario, we saw him making little mistakes. Maybe it's a save that he should have made, or maybe it's a bad distribution. Or maybe it's coming out when he wasn't supposed to. We did see those mistakes last season. So, you know, and now, now going into this season, you know that you're the guy. There is no other starting goalkeeper. You know that you're the starting goalkeeper. So, I think that, you know, if he can play at the level that he's been playing at, even if he only plays 18, 19 games, that bodes well for the wave. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, but well, let's get into what we originally came out of here for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were supposed to talk fantasy soccer, and we're, we're 32 minutes in. Yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs> This right. is, you know what? This is what always happens with us. We 
start talking about something and it ends up being a half-hour conversation. Yeah, and then it then it'll turn into a two-hour a two-hour yeah. podcast. Yep. <laughs> Alright, All right. well, here's the deal. Let's go over our picks and... Well, before about. before we do that, I wanted to let you in on a little bit of information that I just got. Okay. Um, we actually are going to have a third person doing fantasy soccer with us. Yeah, I know. I saw that. So Adam is going to be doing it with us. Oh, is he? No, he didn't tell me. So we're going to have four. Because oh. um, one of the other guys, Alec, he, he lives in Baltimore, I do believe, and he does picks on YouTube. He was on my uh, broadcast tonight, and he sent me a message, and he told me he wanted to do it. So, um, yeah, so we're going to have... I, I don't know if Adam is officially doing it or not, but I know when you, when you take me in that post... He put a picture of his uh, spreadsheet up, so I don't know if you want to go back and look at that. But if well, that was no, I I was it his or was it mine? Because I put someone was talking about if you're doing fantasy soccer, you need to have a team name. So I no, he he did it because his was unless this was you, but I think it was him because he had. who did you have on your team? Did you have Steven DeRue? No, he was, he's actually the team, my team name. My, my uh, fantasy okay. soccer so, team name so, is DeRue, DeRue, DeRue is on fire. Okay, so that was yours then. Okay, yeah. Yep, okay. I wasn't sure if that was something he made or you made. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's well, fine, but. We can talk him into it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think I can talk him into it. I don't think it would be that hard. I gotta come up with a cool name now, huh? Yeah. Yep. Oh well, let's see. Do you let me know. You don't. I'm not gonna put you on the spot right now. You think about it. You let me know. I'll be at work tomorrow. I'll change it, and we'll go from there. All right, sounds good. I got to come up with something clever. Yep. Okay, so I'm not going to go into what happened last week. We're just going to skip it, and we're going to move on to this week. Oh, so you don't want to gloat at all. No, no, I I don't want to gloat at all. I It was a very close matchup. I mean, I mean it's hard to gloat when you've lost two out of three. I'm just I know, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything. So it was a close it was a close contest. I think it was 19 and a half to 17 and a half. Yep. So, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything more. And if you remember, if you remember, I said to you, I said I don't feel really good about this lineup, but I'm gonna try it and see what happens. Well, I I thought I thought last week's lineups were good. It's just I, I don't know. I, I didn't realize um, who was it was Tavoy Morgan not even playing, or Georgia Gibson didn't play on Sunday, and, and something else happened, and I I don't know. But I know this week. 
this week's a good lineup. So, right? No, we both have really good lineups. We have really good lineups. Okay, so let's start with yours. All right, so goalkeeper, I have Chris Tove. And the reason that I chose him is because, first of all, he keeps playing San Diego. And I think that, you know, he's going to face a lot of shots. And I think he'll come up with some pretty big saves, which in turn is going to give me points. So... I had to go with Tove on that one. And plus he's playing two games. Yeah. Yep, that too. Yeah. So, that so could, as that you could... know, you already know my lineup, but um, I actually went on the opposite end of Chris Toth. I went Boris Pardo from San Diego. Yeah, which is, which is really funny because if one of our goalkeepers does bad, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> well, I mean, it, w- w- both, both goalies play two games this week. So, yep. um, yeah, I went Boris Pardo. I think he's going to have uh, two quality games, especially the one against Sonora on Sunday. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I agree with that for sure. Yeah, and I think I think Toth is going to have the same outcome in Tacoma as well. So I, I think both, both plays are pretty good. Um, now, if, if you were to ask me, like, what another good play would be, um, I mean, you could look at uh, William Vanzella or Andrew Coughlin. No, I mean, yeah. I think, a, I think a smaller field is going to um, contribute to more shots. More shots would get you more saves. More saves get you more points. Um, so a keeper like Edgar Martinez from Turlock would be a good play as well. I um, thought about that, to be honest. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, any of those keepers, I, I think will have, uh, from a fantasy perspective, I think we'll have good games. Yeah, I, right. I, I agree with you. And then for my first defender, I took Cesar Cerda. Um, the guy is just a beast of a defender. Um, yeah, and he can give you offensive power as well. So he's just all around a good player. So. And I, I think he might get his chances on the offensive end against Ontario as well. Um, you know, he's going to probably be one of the main guys that, you know, is going to have to perform defensively against Ontario. And I think he'll put up some good numbers, so... I had to go with him, and then I took Garcia as my other defender. Um, you know, the guy, again, similar to Cesar Cerda, he's just a good player. He's having a great year, and I think going into this weekend, he is going to have a good game, and I, I think he'll give me a lot of picks as well. Yeah, I mean you, you can't go wrong you can't go wrong with either guy. I mean Damian Garcia was on the team of the week already this season and and Cesar Serna could have won or been a, a nominee for defender of the year last year. So I mean right. yeah, both both are good plays. Um so you went Western Conference for your defenders. Um I I stuck to the East Coast. Um I went with um Elton D'Oliviera from Harrisburg. Yeah. Um, 
played for Baltimore last season. Um, I don't know if he was a defender last year for Baltimore. I thought I remembered him as a midfielder. No, he, but was, play- he was a midfielder last season. So he's playing more of a defensive role this season, and I think against Rochester, Harrisburg's not playing anyone the next day. So you're not you're not going to see them take their foot off the gas no. uh, in this game. So I, I think you're going to see more from um, all the role players in Harrisburg. You're going to see more from Nelson Santana. You're going to see more um, from like a Matt Brain. But I think Elton De Oliveira um, is going to uh, have and- have a maybe a goal and an assist, maybe a couple block shots. But I think you'll see more of him um, in and, this game. And I'll be honest with you, I think. Even if they did play the next day, they proved that they can play on short rest and do reasonably well. So, yeah, and they, you know they did it last year too. Um, they, but I mean they did it at home. They had home right. games against both Baltimore and Utica, and they ended up winning both. So, um, I, I just think like playing home and then away is just kind of goofy, but that's how the schedule panned yeah, out. I, I completely agree. I think it's... I've never liked the home and away series. I, I, I just think it's very taxing on players, and I, I I don't... I'm with you. I don't agree with it, but hey, it is what it is. That's, right. the, that's, yeah. the, that's the way the schedule is, so I'm not going to bad about it, but I think it's something that the league should probably stay away from. Yep, I agree. Uh, um, so, okay, for my midfielder, I took... Whoa! What about... Wait! What about my second defender? Oh, I thought... I'm sorry, yeah, I thought you did both. <laughs> I thought you did both. My bad, buddy. Go ahead. No, Go that's ahead. All right. All right. So, my second defender, I stayed really, really, really close to home, and I took Anua Obasi. Uh, from Utica City. I mean, last week's goal, if if that didn't tell you anything, then I, I don't know if I can help you out. Right. Uh, no, I, the, I agree with you. Plus, plus, he's playing his old team. So I, I think that's a little extra incentive because this is the first time he's actually playing against his old team. Well, and I don't think, well, people in Utica... People in Utica know this, but I don't think people outside of Utica realize how lucky Utica was to be able to sign Mbassi because that guy is just a physical specimen. The guy can yeah. run, the guy can shoot, he, he can play defense when he needs to. But, and, you I, know. I mean... We, we saw it in the game against Harrisburg, and it's it's worth mentioning again. I mean, he went one-on-one with a few of the Harrisburg Heat players, and his ball handling was just out of this world. Right. He would blow by Dominic Francis. He blew by Danny DePriva and scored the third goal of the game. Like, I, I don't know. And plus, if he does that, he can make defenders go to him, opening up that middle section for guys like Ricardo Diegas and Moises Gonzalez and Bo Yelovac to to take the easy pass and, and tap it in. And right. I think you'll see that. I right. think you'll see that this weekend. 
Well, here's the thing. I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from the fact that you know Bossy's a good player, but I really wonder if he's going to have the same success against a good defensive team like Baltimore because it's not going to be one of those cases where, hey, I'm just going to blow by people. I mean, is it possible that he'll be able to do that against Baltimore defenders? Absolutely, because the guy is just amazing. But at the same time, Baltimore is better defensively than Harrisburg. Right, but I think I think in a small in, in CQ Arena, I think the key to success is ball possession, and and I think I, I you have to have it. you have to have good ball handling. No, I like, can, if you I if you sit really there and dribble the ball and you goof up, Baltimore is going to take advantage and they're going to score. Oh yeah, I mean and we I, we, and, we saw that against Orlando. Yeah, and, and I think Obasi, like I said, and I'll say this again and again, is probably the best ball handler I have ever seen. Right. So well, I, I I watched that game and I laughed because my first thought was this guy is not a defender. He's not a defender, he's a forward. Yeah, he just watching it live was just I was laughing every time he blew by a player. It, it was just so much fun. Um, yeah. So yeah, I have I have Obasi and uh, El de Oliveira as my defenders. Um, some people I think could have. I mean, could have a good game. Um, I mean, let's see. Uh, I would say Adam West. I think Adam West is a defender. Um, you could look at Adam of- is a defender. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you can look at Darren Toby, Jake Schindler, Adriano Dos Santos from Baltimore, uh, Drew Ruggles. I mean, any of those guys really will have, yeah. I think, uh, uh, impact both on offense and defense. I considered, I considered Drew Ruggles, but I just, I just think that the two guys that I have are two guys that not only do they have two games, but they're guys that really are going to make a difference in both games. So I think it was the right play for me, especially, like I said, you look at Cesar Serna, who's going to be playing Ontario. You know Ontario is going to put as many balls on Chris Toves as they possibly can. So, you know, Cesar Zerda is going to have to probably put his body on the line a lot in that game alone. So, I Absolutely. don't know. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, all right. So let's uh, let's talk about your midfielder. So my midfielder is Baca from uh, Monterey. I mean, I, I think I had him last week, and I think he might have gotten me a couple of points. I mean, you, you can't go wrong with Miguel Vaca. I mean, he's one of the well, best midfielders in the game. And... Well, I mean, if you, if you think about it, who is he playing this week? Yeah. So, 
that that's what made me want to pick him was I looked at who he was playing and I I was like this guy is going to have a good weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's that's an excellent pick. Um I went out west as well. Um I went with Jermaine Jones. I, I mean he he had quite the the mini season last year. And, yeah. and I think I think you're gonna see more of the same. I, I think you're gonna see teams kind of have the game plan of contain Frank Tayu. Who's that leave? I mean that leaves right. Israel Cisse, that that's gonna leave Jermaine Jones. So I, well, I can see Jermaine Jones having a couple big games in well, Tacoma and San Diego. And I'll be honest with you, right? Uh, I think, like you said, last year was kind of a mini season for Jermaine. And now that he has half of a season under his belt, we know that he did really well last season when he played. Uh, I think you're going to see some really big things out of Jermaine coming into this season. Oh, absolutely, uh, and that's and that's why I mean, picking him this this week, what I felt was the, the best option because I mean, yeah, he played two games, but I think since he ended his season, he played in the World Mini Football Cup, so yeah, yeah, he, he's he's stuck with the the indoor aspects. Well, of the I game. so I don't I don't think you'll see any rust from Jermaine Jones. I think you will see Jermaine in the MSL for at least a couple more years. I think when he made the decision to come here, it wasn't a Landon Donovan thing where it was like, I'm going to come here, I'm going to bring attention to the MSL. I think you saw Jermaine come here because he genuinely wanted to play and he wanted to make a difference in Ontario. And you know what he did, and he will continue for quite a while, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's not that old. No, I, I, I don't think. I, I think he's got a few more years in him. So yeah. Um, so some other people I, I thought of, and like I said, I, these are just options that I thought of, but I know there's going to be all sorts of other options. Um, Dominic Francis from Harrisburg is an option. I mean, that's a good option too. I mean, he, he had he had eight goals. He has eight goals in three games. Um, scored two against Utica. Um, has Rochester. Um, you could also look at. Um, let's see who else did I? I mean, you could look at. Well, I can't think of any others off the top of my head right now because I didn't write any down. But that's the only one I thought of. <laughs> Um, I mean Jonathan Jonathan Mello from Baltimore. Yeah. I mean you could he's also a, a viable option um, because you know Utica is going to um, focus on Vinny Dantas and Andrew Hoxie. So that's going to leave people like Jonathan Mello open. So completely plus agree. It's a small field. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. All right. So who are your forwards? My two forwards are Craig Childs and Frank Tyler. Um, I mean, yeah. You know, here's the thing. 
I I worry about those two picks only because you know Frank Tyson's going to get a lot of defensive attention. So it really leaves you open to the fact that, okay, how much is he really going to have a chance to score goals? Whereas Frank Tyson's, I, I think Frank is going to have a lot more chances because, like it or not, Craig is the focal point of their offense. And he has been for years. I mean, you look at the San Diego lineup, they have guys that can score up and down that roster, but the one guy that always seems to do it when he needs to is Craig Childs. So... I mean, to me, you can't go wrong with either one of them. They're they're world-class indoor soccer players. And, you know, Frank worries me a little bit only because, like I said, I think he's going to attract a lot of double teams. I think, you know, he's going to be very, very tightly marked. So that pick worries me a little bit, but it's... It's the f- fact that it's Frank Tyler, right? I mean, he always seems to find a way to get on the score sheet, no matter how he's defending. So, like I said, I, I think those are two guys that I... I you can't go wrong with picking those two guys. Those are, those are very solid picks, and I think you're going to see a lot of production from both of them. Um, especially Craig Childs, uh, he scored a couple goals in Tacoma, so you're you're starting to see him producing more uh, as the season goes on. So yes, um, so I kind of went a different route uh, for one of my picks. I went uh, Alejandro Leva from Sonora. Um, I mean, he's had a great, great season uh, so far. Um, and, and he does have uh, MASL experience, so he's one of the seasoned veterans of Sonora. Right. So I, I could see him uh, putting up uh, some offense, although I don't see them winning those games, but I, I do no. see goals being scored. Well, and and I, see, I see him scoring, uh, being the focal point of the Sonora well, offense. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I don't think they win those games, but... They're going to put up points, and I think he's going to be a guy that puts up at least a few points in those games that they play. So, I I completely agree with that pick. I I think not only this week, but going forward, he's he's going to have to be a different maker for Sonora if they want any chance of making a run at that final playoff spot. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then I went, and it pains me to say this, but I went with Vinny Dantas from Baltimore. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, he put up, what, four or five goals last week against yep. Orlando, and he's not hurt. I mean, last year he was injured for most of the season, and he played hurt. And he, so he yeah. And I mean, you look at you look at what he did when he was hurt. He played really well. You look at what he did when he's not hurt. He played really well. So 
the guy, the guy is just a flat out goal scorer, really. That yeah, he's a, he's a beast. I, I have the utmost respect for Vinny Dantas and what he's doing in in Baltimore. Yeah, so no, I, I had like I had him. to I I tried to mix things up this week, so I kind of put took one person from each team for the most part. So yeah, I, I had to put him on there as well. Um, I mean, some others that that you could probably. Uh, put in the mix. I mean, Leo Gibson, Nick Pereira. Um, yeah, you could put in Nick Pereira, Zach Reggett. Uh, I mean, these these guys, you, you could definitely it, put in the starting it, lineup. It's, it's really funny that you mentioned Zach Reggett because honestly, when I was making this team, I was going to put Zach Reggett as my flex player because the guy has just in the last two games against Orlando and Milwaukee, he's just been on fire. So, all right. So, so are you are you regretting your decision? See what I did there? Yeah. No. I see I, what I did yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, there we go. All right. Here's the thing: Is it too late to change, or are we allowed to change? Well, you still have your flex player. You haven't mentioned your flex player yet. No, yes, I know. That's what I'm saying. Can I switch out my flex player? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think... See, this is tough for me because we we know that my flex player is Ricardo Carvalho. And he has had a great year for Florida already. But then, but then you look at what Zach Reagan has done the last two games. I think he has four goals. I don't know the exact exact statistics, but I know he had at least one or two in Milwaukee, and I know he had at least one or two in Orlando. So Yeah, I think it was one in Orlando, two in Milwaukee. Well, here, yeah. here's what I'll do. I don't know. Did you did you end up listening to my broadcast tonight? I did not because okay. I we had I had just gotten home from my high school game. Okay, so I'm I'm throwing this out there, and you can do whatever you want with it. But okay. your flex player that started was in the broadcast. And I told him that he was on your fantasy soccer team this week. Yeah. So, uh, and he said he was going to score a goal for Hannah. So, well, then you know what? I'm going to keep him. I'm going to keep him because I don't want to be that guy who says, hey, Hey, by the way, this guy put you on his fantasy team. And then, oh, wait, no, he didn't. Yeah, Yeah, well, I I thought it was kind of cool he showed up. So I figured I would throw that out there and and let him know that that you're you're taking him for your... But, I mean, there's there's so many guys that you could put in that position. No, and I'll, I'll let you go over yours and then we can talk about that. Well, I mean, you you took you took Ricardo Cavallo from Florida, so I took someone from Florida as well. Um, yeah, I, I took Joey Tabernese. Um, That's a solid pick. Yeah, and and plus he's a he's a Utica guy, and and 
Um, yeah, I think I think you're gonna start seeing an, an emergence from Joey um, in that in that lineup. Um, I mean, he had a great great assist last week in Milwaukee. It was it was so neat to see like two former teammates reunited. And, and they're and they're doing what they're doing. Like so, it was Joey Tavernese to Antonio Manfoot. Like both Syracuse guys, it was just good to see. And I think you're going to see more of that uh, this no, week. I agree. No, I agree. No, I I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. Um, I will tell you though, I do have to make a change to my team. Okay. I'm just looking up something as we speak. Give me a second. Can you talk about something while I do this? <laughs> I could talk about anything. Uh, All right. Well, go I'll ahead. talk about I'll talk about some of the other players that that could make an impact. Um, I mean, you're looking at the Turlock Sonora game. You could make a case for Ivan Campos, uh, Adrian Gutierrez. Uh, like I said, Alejandro Leva from Sonora. Um, the San Diego Ontario game, Slavisa Ubi Parapovic. Um, you've got Israel Cisse. You could put it. Uh, Florida Orlando. We didn't even mention Richard Schmerman. Put oh, him in yeah, as your did. defenseman, you know? You uh, are absolutely right. We did not. Uh, for Florida, I mean. Pick your poison, really. I think they're going to have the uh, services of Lucio Gonzaga this week. That's a solid pick for for a midfielder. I would Uh, say so, yeah. uh, Baltimore Utica, that's a toss-up. I mean, you could put anyone in there. Um, Tony Donatelli, um, Bo Yelovac, anyone like that. Uh, Harrisburg, Rochester. For Rochester, if I were to start anyone, it would be the goalie. Uh, whoever they put in goal, if it's Christian Esposito or uh, Wilton, I they're going to have a lot of shots at them, so a lot of saves. Uh, Dallas Monterey, uh, any Monterey player, if you were to start a Dallas player, you could probably start Freddie Mugin. Um, although he right. hasn't scored any goals yet, I, I'm very, very surprised by that, but I see a goal or two coming out of Freddie this weekend. All right, well, uh, would you, you find it? If you want to know what I'm going to change, okay, I'm going to change my head coach. Okay, because, well, we because, haven't even talked about the head coach, so we're good no, there. No, but listen, listen, listen. I, I was thinking about this, right? My original pick was Jimmy Nordberg, right? But when we did our picks, both of us said San Diego was going to win that game. So, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to take out Jimmy Nordberg, and I'm going to replace him with Clay Roberts from Florida. Okay. Okay. All right, I will make the change tomorrow. You may have to remind me, but I think I'll be okay. Oh, I will Um, remind you if you need me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so you take Clay Roberts from Florida. That's, I mean, that's an obvious, that, that's going to be a given one point for you. Um, I, I don't see Florida losing that game. Um, I mean, I would be really shocked. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of going for a twofer here. I'm hoping for two points. 
Um, I'm going Phil Silvaggio from San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I predicted San Diego would win both games. I think that first game against Ontario is going to be closer. Um, but I mean, we we both we both went San Diego uh, for yeah, both no, of those. Yeah, no, we did. So I'm I'm, I'm going to take Phil Silvaggio on this one, but. It wouldn't surprise me if Jimmy Nordberg did win those two games. No, I that, agree. That with San Diego Ontario game could go either way. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think based on the fact that Ontario is just starting their season and getting into the flow of things, because let's be honest, you can get ready for a game via practice, but practice doesn't. It's not the same as game situation. It's just not. And right. so you can prepare as well as you think you can, but at the end of the day, you you cannot compare practice to game situations. Right. It's just not possible. Right. Oh, so we need to clear something up. I just thought of this. And it may possibly change something on my team as well. We need to make a ruling on coaches that are players. Okay. So, if I were to start Leo Gibson as a coach, would we get points, assists, and things like that, or is it just the win? No, just the win, because... Okay, perfect. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we because got that out it, of the way. Because here's the thing. It would be different if you put him... Now, here's the thing. You have... See, this is what's interesting. Because if I were doing it, if I ever did this, what I would do is I would put him as my flex player and my head coach. Because then you get points for both. Right. But if you're only putting him as your head coach, you then it's just a coach. Okay. Yep. Okay. I just wanted to, to make that because I mean we've got we've got Leo Gibson, we've got Nick Pereira, so I mean it's feasible to start. No, yeah. I'm glad you asked that because yeah. But no, if if you wanted to go that way, what you would have to do is put him either as your flex player or your forward and then your head coach. Okay. All right. Okay. So perfect. So those are the teams. Um, and like, and like I said in my, like we've been saying, if you guys want to do it, just send us a message with your team. And all it is, is I put it on a spreadsheet and then, Usually on Monday, I'll go through and, and I'll I'll get the statistics up. And, yeah. and, and so far, it's been... I've had a blast doing it. So, the last part of this, and I'm not going to keep you too much longer because I don't want this to be an insanely long episode, but the last part of this is the last episode we talked about attendance issues in the MASL. And we talked about how I thought the league needed to step in and help teams that are struggling. If you could change one thing about the MASL 
and what they could do better. We're not talking about rules or regulations or whatever. But if you could say one thing about the league as a whole, what would it be? Okay, one thing as a whole. Um, from I mean, it, here, here's the thing. In order to get new people to watch the game, it needs to be televised to a broader audience. Yeah, no, I agree. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, the YouTube thing is fine. Like, it's accessible, it's great, but I still think it should be, like, on, maybe, like, on a a major sports network. Well, Like a Fox Sports or ESPN or something like that. I've been saying that for years, and here's the thing. Back in 2010, when Milwaukee was in the finals against the Cleveland Force... Both of those championship games were on ESPN. And I can remember Bill Clement saying that he absolutely loved doing those broadcasts. Yep, I remember watching those games on YouTube. And so my thought process is I completely agree with you. However, I think it's a money issue. I completely think it's a money issue because... You know, if you go to ESPN and say, hey, we want to make a contract with you. We want a TV contract with you. You know ESPN is going to come back and say, well, in order to do that, you have to do this. And I truly believe that if you're going to do that, guys like Baltimore have to improve their broadcast because because honestly, like, I think even though it has nothing to do with the guys that broadcast in Baltimore, if the games were on ESPN, I think that ESPN is going to look at our league and say, okay, what kind of things are they doing? Are they properly going to represent us? And so I I think there would be a lot to do in order to make that happen. Well, okay. So my question then would be, why on God's green earth, if I turn on ESPN or ESPN2, why are we watching, like, the National Cornhole Championship? Yeah, yeah. The National, like, Tetris Championship and stuff like that. Here's the thing. If, if we really wanted something connected to ESPN, you gotta start somewhere, right? So why not be on ESPN Plus? Yeah, something, something, a, a stepping stone to something bigger. Right. Like, we're, we're kind of, at this point, the MASL, and I'm not saying YouTube is bad. I love, I love YouTube, I love the platform. I'm glad it's on YouTube. I'm glad 11 Sports isn't a part of the picture right now. No, yeah, me too. Me too. But I think to a certain point, it's going to be like like we're stuck in the mud. Like we need to gain traction. 
if we want this league to succeed. And I think the first step to that is making this more accessible to other people. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because I don't think people think about this, but think about how YouTube works, right? In order to want something, you have to search for it, right? So if if you're a brand new fan to the MASL, let's say you have no idea what the MASL is, you don't know what it is, so you're not going to search for it. Whereas if we're if it's on TV, oh look, what's this? You know, type of thing. And you know, it's on national TV, so there's a big difference between being on national TV and oh, I have to search for what I'm looking for. Yep. You know, that's that's the reality of it. And those of us who are really big into the league, we're, we're already subscribed to the channel. So, I mean, we know when the games are, but those people that have no idea what the major arena soccer league is, they're not even going to think to search about it because they don't know anything about it. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean... I want to go back and get your opinion on what I said in the last episode. I said to you, I said, I think that if you see numbers like what we see in Orlando or what we see in Turlock, and maybe Turlock's a bad example because there are only seats 500 to 600 people. But even if you look at Ontario, they struggled with um, attendance last season. Florida, they struggled with attendance last season. So do you think that the league needs to step in and help out these franchises that are really struggling with attendance? Because... The reality, for me at least, in my humble opinion, I think that if they don't do something about attendance, eventually you're not going to see Orlando in the league anymore because they're not going to be able to pay their bills. Oh, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, what can the league do? I don't know if there's anything the league can really do. I mean... Each each team goes about this a different way. No, I like, agree. I, I mean, agree. I, I don't see... And this is kind of... I'm going to be a homer here for a second. Shocker, I know. But the difference between Syracuse and Utica in, in regards to, like, exposure is night and day. Like you never saw a commercial for Syracuse right. on the radio or on the TV or on the radio or on YouTube right. or anything like that. In Utica, they come out with these crazy commercials every week hyping up the game and they get it out to the masses. Like oh. I don't yeah. know if any other team does that because you don't you don't see it as much. Well, and I mean here's the thing. Even if the league has no idea how to help these franchises, how hard is it to go out to Orlando's representatives and say, 
listen, we've seen your numbers. What can we as a league do to help you? You are a part of our business. How can we help you? Even if they have no idea how to help them, the gesture goes a long way. And sorry, but two two heads are better than one. No, I I, I agree with you. I I just think it's... I'm I'm not exactly sure if you're going to see the the same issue in Florida this season. I mean, I'm noticing a lot more exposure in Lakeland. I mean, you you see like all the Twitter posts and all the Facebook posts and stuff like that. And I think you're going to see people going to the tropics games. Do you think it's just a matter of... In the case of Florida, for example, do you think it's a matter of we don't know what indoor soccer is, so we don't go to the games? Or do you think it's a matter of the front office in Orlando is not doing anything to promote the Seawolves? Or could it be a little bit of both? I don't know. You know? Uh, it's really confusing to me. Why Orlando's in its current situation? Like, it's... I mean, a nice arena. It seems like a nice arena, and it's near a major attraction. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's close to Disneyland. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's the, the reason why they don't get the people out there. Like, I, I don't know. Um, it, it's just weird. Watching a game... With half the, not even half, I'd say 90% of the arena is empty. It's just kind of... Well, and I mean, here's the thing. I think if I was a player playing in that environment, it would it would absolutely devastate me. Because I would look at it as, what am I playing for? You know, I'm playing basically by myself. I'm playing a game in front of maybe... According to Orlando, their last game they had, I believe they said it was 847, which, by the way, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close to that. I can tell you that right now. But it just makes me sad when you see those numbers because, you know, especially from an athlete's perspective, right? Because I, I know... For me, I would not want to be in that situation because players feed off of fans. I don't care what anybody says. They do. So if I'm playing in an empty arena, it's kind of boring, I would think. I mean, I, I don't know. I just think, first of all, I think front offices have to do a better job. If they don't do a better job at marketing, well, you're not going to get people in the stands. The thing that I find ironic is that you have a team in Mississauga who folded, and granted it was for different circumstances, but you look at that team, and they had no problem with attendance. Like, they Well, had... I mean, they... they... They kind of did at the beginning, but I mean, they had a, a fan base that would would go to the games, and and I think you saw towards the end of the season that they had, 
I want to say almost 2,000 people at their final game against Utica. Right. And and I think that would have carried over to this season, but obviously for, for reasons well, that whatever. You know, um, I, I have to disagree with you. I think had... Had they been able to stay in the league, I think you would have seen a drop in attendance after the cancellation of games. Well, excuse me, it wasn't a cancellation. It was a postponement of games. And because like we discussed in a previous episode, if I'm a fan of Mississauga and we already have to cancel games, What's the point? You know, I mean, so. Yeah, I, I, I just think if, I think if this season they were in one arena in Mississauga, I think you would have seen attendance go up. No, but, I, I, I agree with that. I think it was, yeah. a, I think it was a horrible misplay from that franchise, from that front office, from the owners, I think it was a horrible misplay because if you read their statement, they even said, we wanted to do this world tour, but we basically bit off more than we could chew. And for that reason, it led to their demise. The interesting thing is this, though. I don't know if you read the, the rest of that article. They did say that they want to come back next season. Uh, best of luck to them. Um, I'm not exactly sure if that's going to be feasible. I mean, they're going to have to do a lot to get back in the league, if anything. Well, I mean... They're, they're going to need to have a solid arena and, and they're they're gonna need to the, the whole six city tour thing is not gonna fly well I mean, I, it sounds it sounds great in theory yeah no I mean and it's just, it was just a weird idea because like okay if if San Diego did that for example I could see that more than I could see Mrs. Saga doing it because San Diego is is a historic franchise. San Diego has legs to stand on where Mrs. Saga really doesn't. No. No. So I, I mean yeah, your your standard teams would be able to do something like that, but a team that's like barely struggling to get a thousand people in the seats. I, I I don't see like it being very successful. Now now maybe it would have been. I, I don't know. I like I don't think if you were to ask me if if it did go through, like if they did this sixteen tour, like would it be successful? I would lean towards no. Because it's no, not yeah, like, I, I it's not it. well known. No, I, I agree with that. And I think if 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 Mississauga went to the league and said we want to come back, I think the response from the league is going to be 
what have you done for me lately? And honestly, what they did lately is made a fool of themselves. And that, you know, no disrespect to that fan base. It's an awesome fan base. Or it was, for that matter. And But what they did was incredibly miscalculated. It was incredibly disorganized. It wasn't thought through. And it ended up being an absolute crap show. So... Yeah, it, it, it put a bad blemish on the MASL. I mean, they handled it well. They they took Mississauga or Canada or whatever out of the league, which was... I mean, really, what are, what are you supposed... If you're the MASL, what are you supposed to say in that situation besides, well, we got screwed, really? Yeah, I mean, uh, the the thing is, is uh, with with the whole um, two home games being postponed or whatever, I mean, they could have used Rochester's arena, they could have used Utica's, but right. it, it wasn't it wasn't feasible. So, uh, unfortunately, it had to happen. And do I see them coming back? Unfortunately, I don't. No, no, uh, I I would say. I would say I would rather see a team like the Wichita Wings come back to the MASM before I would say I want uh, Mississauga to come back. Or like going way back, I would like to see another Chicago team come back. Right. You know, you yeah. know because that would be a great rivalry for Milwaukee, St. Louis, Kansas City, you know. Anything. Yep, I I agree. Like, I I could see like a Chicago coming back. I could see. I mean, there's there's all sorts of different different scenarios that are that are panning out, and and from what I've been told is the league is definitely expanding next year. Um, right. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens, or um, if you really want to. If you really want a Canada team to come back, bring back the Montreal Impact. You know, I mean, they or the Toronto. Bring back the Toronto Shooting Stars. Later, from, known, from the old NPSL days. Later known as yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think, um, you know, I, I like I said, I just think it was a really bad miscalculation on the part of ownership and front yeah. office and I just think whatever they were thinking clearly did not work. Okay, so let me ask you this. I just thought of this. Okay. More embarrassing. Okay. The the whole uh, Canada mishap or Cedar Rapids moving to Orlando? Uh, well, I, you know, that that's tough because neither one really seemed to work out well, but um, I would probably say that it would probably be the Mississauga mishap because, because I think 
when when Cedar Rapids decided to move to Orlando, they did so on the basis of, you know, it's going to be a bigger, better environment. And sometimes you have to make that move if you want to try to build something successful. Here's the thing. I don't think it's a matter of moving to Orlando. I think it's a matter of somebody in that front office is not doing their job to promote that team. That's what I think it is, because here's the thing. And granted, it's not exactly the same type of move, but look what happened with Syracuse. They moved to Utica, and it worked out really, really well. Granted, it's not that far away, but, you know, it was still a move. Yeah, I mean, with, with, and, and the whole Syracuse to Utica thing, it was, Utica had a, a bigger staff, and plus, their track record for the hockey is they sell out every single game. So, right. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a formula for success, and it's, well, obviously, I'm, it's obviously know. working. So, it, I, I kind of wonder how the whole process happened. Like, what made them move from Cedar Rapids to Orlando? Like, did they go to Orlando and do a bunch of research? Or, like, I, I don't know if it was just like a get up and go type no, of thing. You know, I, I, I really think it was... Hey, listen, we got to move this whole Cedar Rapids thing. Isn't working. Where should we go? Hey, let's go to Orlando. Yeah, I mean, no. that it, it didn't, like, like maybe do what Syracuse did. Maybe move that, like, an hour away, which gives that fan base still an opportunity to see their team. I'm, Instead of moving them... 12, 14, I don't know how long it is from Cedar Rapids to Orlando, but you you have to rely on a completely new fan base being there, and you have to rely on 1,500, 2,000 people to go to those games for it to be remotely close to being profitable. I'm going to leave you with this thought, because I've said this for years. In order for this league to be successful, three things need to happen. One, you have to have a good team. If you don't, it usually doesn't work unless you're the the Rochester Lancers and you have a guy like Soccer Sam, who is a genius at marketing and can still get people in, in the seats. Two, you have to have a good front office and you have to have people that are going to promote your team you look at guys like or I'm sorry you look at teams like Milwaukee we promote all the time and nine times out of ten we're promoting the Admirals or the baseball team that Zimmerman has and it's being a and it's being integrated along with the waves. So, I mean, you have to have a good front office who really can get you people in the seats. 
And the last thing is you have to have good ownership. And you have to have owners that really care about your franchise. Because if you don't, you're not going to be successful. It's just not going to happen. And that's the problem with a lot of these teams is that they they look at the, the MASL as, hey, we want to join this league. We want to play soccer. But I don't think they realize how much of this is much more than just playing soccer and, you know, what it takes to successfully be a part of the MASL. Because, let's be honest, people that own teams in the MASL are not rich. Okay, it's not like the NBA where these owners have millions of dollars that they can just fork over and say, okay, let's do this, you know? These owners have to scratch and crawl to get things done. And for the most part, they do. And I think that's the reason why you are seeing seeing some of these teams not doing well. It's because it's a lack of motivation in the front office and it's a lack of knowing how to get people in the seats because... The MASL is not one of these leagues where, you know, everybody knows about it. It's not the NFL. It's not the NBA. It's not the NHL. It's arena soccer. There's not many people that know who we are or what we do. So, you know, I think you really need those three things to to be very successful in this league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, from from what I've from what I've heard and, and um, what I've seen, I mean, there are a lot of kids out there that play soccer, right? And, and they're only like they're only thinking about outdoor soccer. That's the only way it's played. And Tommy Tanner said it best. He's always had the moniker. He's always said. Just go to one game, you'll be hooked. And he's right. And I think, he's right because that's exactly what happened with you. Yeah. I so. mean, and the question the question then has to be, well, how do you get that person to go to one game? And I think you need to do I think you need to have a staff or you need to have a front office that is willing to do the legwork to go out into Yeah the streets of Orlando or go to Disneyland and say, hey, have you heard about the Orlando Seawolf soccer team? No? Okay. Well, let me tell you a little bit about them. Right. Here's what would it take for for you to go to a game? Would it be a $5 ticket? Would it be a buy one, get one free? And you know, here's the interesting thing. If you have to let people come for free so they can see what it is. I don't care because honestly, I would rather say to people, hey, I'll let you come for free and if you like it, then you can buy more tickets. I mean... Yeah, yeah something something to get someone into a seat yeah. where they can watch the game, where they can see the players interacting with your kids the kids are going to want to go back. 
that's why. And, and, and that's and that's the main question that these teams have to ask. That's why I love what Milwaukee does so much because they they get people involved. They get kids involved. They get adults involved. And, yep. that, and that's the key to success. Yep, you're right. Hey man, it's going to be a great weekend for soccer. I'm so excited about it. Hopefully I don't kick your butt too much in fantasy this weekend. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. We've yeah. got competition. We've got competition no, now. We, so. You know what? We definitely do. So we'll see how he does as well. And Adam, if you're listening to this, please join us because the more people we have doing this, the better. And that's the reality. It's great just doing it, you and me, but it would be so much better if we had like 10 or 15 people doing it. Yeah, I want to, I, I just, I, I don't want to beat just you. I want to beat other people. Well, well, clearly you have trouble beating me, so hey, I mean. Uh, clearly I won last week. Okay. So I am on a one game winning streak. Matt, you know what? I'm going to leave you with this. You know I love you, but here's the thing. Every dog has its day, okay? I'm not, I am not wearing a wave jersey. You you are not making me wear a wave jersey. Well, then I suggest you get your budding gear, buddy. Hey, my team looks good this week. We'll see, though. All right, buddy, you take it easy. Have fun this weekend. Enjoy. All right, we'll talk soon. Yep. All right. See you, bud.